Well, I thank you for joining me on a special edition of Too Close to Call. This is basically going to dive into your reaction to a post I had last week on the power of a response, me being a reporter, reaching out to politicians, their spokespeople pretty much daily and seeing, you know, throw, casting the net out and seeing what comes back. And I sort of got into the three different types of, of campaigns that run, sort of the aggressors, the uh, gatekeepers, and then the ghosts who you never hear from. And then you responded, which I thought was an interesting point, sort of flipped it back on uh, us as reporters and you're content that reporters seem only interested in covering candidates who are polling well, whoever raised the most money. And the result is, you know, horse race coverage, coverage of gaffes, personal vendettas, and we don't address major, major policy questions in the campaign, which leads to cynical voters. So I want to set up a little bit just who you are so our listeners know. I mean, you're a Republican politician from New Hampshire who is a former state senator, two terms. Is that correct? Correct. And then you ran, uh, I believe, for governor and for Senate. You ran for governor once and Senate twice in 2014 and 2016 for the Republican nomination in New Hampshire. All correct. All correct. So me as a political reporter, I, when I cover a race and I cover a lot of primaries, if there's four or five candidates in the race, what I need to go to my editors with is some type of metric. And that is sort of what you outlined in your critique, polling, money, or I'd put, a th- I'd put a third category in there of either celebrity or notoriety. Celebrity being more and more in our business. There's someone famous, people know who they are. If Caitlyn Jenner is running in California, even though she wasn't really a credible candidate, she got a ton of press because she's famous. Notoriety I'd put in a bit of a different silo because it's someone who is maybe known in the state as a governor, a former governor, some type of elected credential that showed that they've won before in a, in a higher office. Maybe they're a lieutenant governor, so they get coverage of their statewide official. So those are the three buckets that I would put in as my metric as to cover candidates. And I think, and I want, I want to hear what you have to say about this, but that leaves some people uncovered. And I would say as a reporter, it's very difficult to pitch a story to cover a, a candidate that doesn't hit one of those three criteria. I guess I would ask you, why should we as reporters take yeah. the time to, to cover that, a person that falls outside of those categories? Well, we live in a system of self-government and we depend upon an informed citizenry to, uh, <clears throat> to engage in, in this process. We don't live in an autocracy where uh, either uh, crazy people acquire power or extremely gifted people somehow uh, acquire power. We, we depend on voters, citizens to make these choices. And there's one element that's missing 
from that, 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 that those three methods by which one determined whether coverage is warranted and, and that missing ingredient is the, uh, <clears throat> the capability to navigate policy questions. And navigating those policy questions uh, requires conceiving of policy options, defending them, explaining them, and interacting with voters, potential voters during campaigns. Campaigns is the time, probably more than any other time, when, when policy options can be weighed, measured, and voters can wrestle with them on the basis of their candidate choices. And so the media has a responsibility. And this is not just you know, what will sell based upon what sells in the past, is what will keep America alive. I mean, we're on the, we're, we're on the precipice of losing what we love about our country, a self-governing country. <laughs> and, and the media has a role here. Citizens have a role, but, but it's... <laughs> so citizens, tell tell yeah. me about your experience as a candidate. I yeah. want to dive into this because you ran, let's, let's take your most recent Senate runs in 2014 against Scott Brown, who right. was a former senator from a different state. <laughs> Um, and Kelly Ayad, yeah. who you, you ran against an incumbent, which is always a tantamount challenge, no matter where, if you're challenging someone who's already in the office, it's very, very tough to win. Absolutely. So yeah. is there an example that, that you would give in those two races where you attempted to lay out a policy or promote a policy and formed a strategy to getting it covered and either had success or did not have success? Yeah, I'll go back to 2014 when I when I ran against Scott Brown, and, and and this was a race not where there were 18 candidates. It was uh, you know the Republican challenger was up for a question. There was no Republican incumbent, and a Republican in New Hampshire, purple state, were always going to mount, almost always going to mount a a viable challenge to a city. Yeah, this was an open office. seat or an open for well, it was an open primary. Open we primary. We had a Democratic incumbent, and, and it's always the case in New Hampshire, a purple state where a Republican can definitely win the U.S. Senate seat here, no question about it, today and then in 2014, 2016. So <laughs> this was an open primary for Republicans, and there weren't 18 Republicans running. There were two or three of us at the time. So it was at the time, I think, uh, when I'm going to recount this little episode, I was running against Scott Brown. You know, Scott Brown had carpet bagged in from Massachusetts and... Uh, little bit of background here. The leadership in Washington, and I'm going to get to a bigger point here. The leadership in Washington, Republican leadership in the U.S. Senate, had spent months recruiting Scott Brown. Please move into New Hampshire. You're a viable candidate. You can raise tens of millions of bucks, as you proved in Massachusetts when you ran against Elizabeth Warren. You've proven you can raise tens of millions of dollars from Wall Street. So again, I'm getting back to your usual criteria, you know, can, can the guy raise money? Yes, he could raise money. So here's a little, a little vignette. <clears throat> so uh, I live in the Upper Valley area, the Hanover area of uh, New Hampshire, and I got a local newspaper called the Valley News. And so it's, you know, local news story. I live here. So Scott Brown comes into town. I'm running a campaign on issues, and I'm running a campaign on, on probably four or five major issues, one of which was opioids, drug policy. And I had, I had elaborated by this time, uh, you know, pretty substantial package of policy uh, positions, including, let's say, on opioids and drug policy, very substantial policy, and very, very difficult to get coverage on, on 
weighty, substantial, well thought out, <laughs> well developed, nicely packaged because I have a you know full time media guy. And so Scott Brown comes into town. He comes in with his pickup truck. Yeah, he's got his theme is I'm Scott Brown. Uh, I got to drive around in an old pickup truck. Right. That's the and he shtick. comes into town, and the Valley News gives him a two page front page spread driving it to town in his pickup truck. This is your local newspaper in your hometown. This is my local newspaper. So, <laughs> and I'm laughing about it now, but it was not funny at the time to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a two page spread driving it to town uh, with his pickup truck. Nothing on any issue whatsoever. Nothing. So what was, what did they fill the two pages with? It was just, he's here in a pickup truck and he's he, running. Here he's and... got his pickup truck and it's just a cool thing. He's driving into town and people show up and look at his pickup truck. I don't know what. <laughs> so let because, me. Yeah. And it, it's, Go ahead. It's, it's very frustrating for, for Kennedy, but it's also harmful for our Republic. Uh, that, that, that So let me ask that though. How did you counter that? Yeah. Did you yeah. did you reach out to the local newspaper? Did of you course. do anything to counter Brown when you did you show up at his event and try to sort of bracket his visit? Did what what did you I mean, you must have known that he was going to get a huge yeah. splash of coverage, even if he didn't offer anything substantive. Yeah. Right. So we, what did you do? Yeah, we, we could not I could not compete on, uh, <laughs> you know, famous notoriety, Scott Brown pickup truck thing, you know, Massachusetts. Could not compete in that. I, I had to compete on what I do and what I did as a politician. I'm a policy guy. I'm a uh, sort of a Liberty Republican policy guy. I'm very big. And when I was in the state Senate, got a lot of bills passed. Weighty, big picture, tough to pass bills. That's what I do. It's what I love doing. And I want to save America. That's why I run for, that's why I ran for office uh, you know, twice for U.S. Senate. <clears throat> so I, I campaign in what I do well. <clears throat> it's uh, but how do you decide, how do you try to, I guess, turn that into a media strategy? Is there any, yeah. did you try to think of any way to oh, pitch me, to me, reporters, whether it be local yeah. news to say, hey, yeah. this is a unique angle that yeah. you should write about or, or right. do an interview on? Yeah. So, so on drug policy, on opioids, opioids was a really big, probably still is, but it's, it was a very big issue in 2014 in New Hampshire. And so I went into, uh, I was the first politician to go into a, uh, a state a jail, uh, a Cheshire County Jail. I, I became friendly with the, uh, the fellow who runs the jail. And he allowed me to go in and interview prisoners in the women's uh, wing of, of this, this jail. I went in and we did uh, two days of interviews, me in the prison with women volunteering to uh, talk with me on tape, on camera. We had hours of footage and we reduced that footage down to, I think a 20 minute or a one hour uh, YouTube release. And then we did a, we did a press event featuring that, uh, that interview and, and elaborating my, my drug policy proposals specifically to deal with op the opioid crisis at the time. It was a weighty, uh, well thought out package, elaborating what other countries had done, what nations had done with this, with this video. The video is, is, it's actually still on YouTube, but it was quite amazing. Quite no no politician had ever gone into prison and done lengthy on camera interviews with real people in prison. I'd ask them. This blew me away when I did it. Says, "Why are you people here? The women's prison. They're all in. Uh, they're all in uh, orange. Orange is the new black." <clears throat> and I said, "Why are you folks here? 
are you folks here for, for drug? Every hand goes up. And yeah. then I asked them, when you get out of prison here, jail, this is uh, jail, what you, what's going to happen to you when you get out of prison? One, one woman puts her hand up and within 10 minutes, I'm going to have a rig waiting for me at the boundary of the prison when I get out of here. A rig is a, a needle and more drugs I could put back. And the, this, this prison was clean. The fellow who ran this prison at the time kept it clean. There was no smuggled drugs. So these women were not users when they were in prison. They were all coming out of prison. It was our, this is our policy at the time in the United States of America, come out of prison. And the first thing they're going to do within 10 minutes is to get hooked again on opioids. Right. So you, was, do you try to pitch a, this? So, so yeah. you try to pitch this, the, the this angle, you, the you're doing these interviews, you've got content. Can you yeah. go to the local TV station and say, hey? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or, we, and we what happened? We had this content. Very little interest. So, so the, 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 this is the, I'm going to, forgive me while I shut that off. Call from six. It's Scott Brown. He heard. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> so, I mean, this, this was probably the number one or number two foremost issue on, on the media's mind and on the public's mind. At the time, the opioid crisis, you know, people are, what, 60,000 people a year dying in the United States? Yeah, it's a huge issue for sure. But yeah, so it's an issue, a real issue. And, 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 and we're, we're starkly contrasting the utter failure of the present policy, which is imprisonment, uh, you know, as, as, as the major way of uh, the stark failure. So we, we were elaborating it in a way that uh, the media had not seen before. You had, there was no footage like this. Did you, make, did you make a contrast uh, with Scott Brown on the issue? Did you attempt that? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if he had any position on the issue of, of, of any substance. Because, I mean, I'm just going to be honest as a media person here. Yeah. Like, yeah. you go in, if, I, if you were to pitch, if I'm in New Hampshire, I'm, yeah. I'm the local reporter or the TV reporter, and I did lo- lo- work in local TV in Missouri yeah. and North Dakota yeah. covering politics, so I get the challenge and I sympathize yeah. with it. But if I go into my editor and I say, hey... Jim Rubens is running for Senate against Scott Brown. He's got this new policy he's rolling out. He's in the prison. He's got video of interviews. Yeah. Can we, what do you think of this story? They're going to say, well, first of all, this guy can't win. He can't beat Scott Brown. How is he going to win? Right. So what, I guess, what, what is the value in covering someone who is a long shot? You were a long shot, right? You were a long shot from the beginning. I guess it's, so, so, I, as a reporter, I may want to cover you. And they say, well, he's not going to. Now, if Scott Brown went in there, probably gets covered just because he begins and ends as the front runner, right? So he's the guy we got to cover. The, yeah. other, the other point I would make is if you were to make a contrast with Brown, because media does like conflict and our editors want a little yeah. conflict, then maybe you have a better <laughs> shot the- of getting right. covered. This is the point I was making to you, the, the fourth reason, the media, the not, the not horse race reason for you, the media, you have a responsibility to preserve the Republic, okay? In your role in the United States of America, you have a specific responsibility to engage with the citizen on a, and a fourth reason, which is to elaborate policy contrasts. So we were creating a policy contrast, a, a robust, well thought out, approach to dealing with an issue that the media was labeling and the public knew 
was one of our top issues at the time in 2014. And the, the contrast, <laughs> how the nation grapples with issues. Right. Your contrast with, with the, the current system, not necessarily Scott Brown. In, in, right. in particular, and, and we could have I could have gone in with, hey, airhead versus, you know, thinking politician and gone and which was a theme that the media could have picked up. It should it wished we didn't do that at the time because that, that was not my strategy. I'm a thinking politician. I'm not going into the gutter <laughs> to, you know, it, it's so, so easy the- to go into the gutter, you know. Yes, I, I, and I, I had a pickup truck. We we tried our pickup truck. I, I, I had a more beat up pickup truck than he did. I drove it around. Yeah, it had no gas pedal. I was able to. It was it was more pickup truck reportable than his. We tried that. That didn't work at all. Right. And do you? Why do you think the reason is? Huh? That, that even when you did the pickup truck, even when you did because, the sort of superficial visual, that didn't work losing, because I was losing the horse race. I had right, already you're losing lost the horse, the horse race. race. Right. I had already lost. So the if horse there's race. no horse race, if there's no Mitch, competitive Mitch horse race, decided, Mitch McConnell decided he wanted this guy to be the candidate. He's he's the guy who could raise money from Wall Street. Decision over. Decision done. I mean, let me just tell you, I, I have tried to cover policy in the yeah. past. And here's yeah. here's the flip side of this. Yes, it doesn't get the traction, uh, the clicks, the viewership, the readership that a political story does. I'll, I mean, I was at U.S. News and World Report and I covered a, po- a very technical economic story I wrote on Martin O'Malley, who wasn't a front when he was running for president. This is Democratic side in 2016 against Hillary and Bernie. He was always in third place. It was a slow week. I went to one of his events. I covered it. It was my least traffic story in five years Right. at U.S. News. So, yeah. and then my editors can see that. My bosses can see that. And, they, and the next time I pitch a policy story, are they going to send me yep. out? Are they going to waste my day? Yep. So how do you, what's responsibility is of the public? I mean, there's, sometimes it's tough to get, you know, it's a chicken or an egg argument, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. I acknowledge a, a citizenship duty to click on that story. And the citizenship duty, and, and it, it's easy not to blame citizens. And I, because I'm not running for office, I can say this. I'm not <laughs> saying that were I running for office, citizens yeah. have a duty to understand. Let's pick a big issue right now: inflation. Okay, yeah, isn't it maybe the top issue? Absolutely, is maybe top, maybe number, maybe number two after war and peace, Ukraine, what have you. So, inflation. What are we getting on coverage? Inflation. What is actually causing inflation? If you're a candidate, well, it's Joe, it's Biden, right? He's causing inflation, right? right? If you're a Republican, I'm a Republican, Joe Biden is causing inflation. Hey, I can say that. I can maybe even get coverage. And I'm seeing people get coverage saying that that does not give citizens of the United States of America the capacity to understand the policy questions to actually deal with inflation. So let me push. I mean, there are some there is some reporting going on. It's a failure. Forgive me for just finishing this. It's a failure by citizens to demand. I need to understand what's causing inflation and what policy options national candidates for office have to grapple with the problem. So there are there is some coverage of the inflation issue that gets into the weeds. It's not from politicians, because what I would say is the candidates don't always even understand it or have an or have an answer. The candidates, the candidates need to understand it. You and the media have to demand the candidates grapple with it in a meaningful way. You have to push back when they say for Republicans, say caused by Biden, <laughs> we allowed, <laughs> there's, there's not a robust basis for making that claim. You are right, failing right. 
your duty if you get into office. <laughs> you're claiming I'm going to get into office and deal with inflation, right? You're claiming this as a candidate. Right. What What are that's the not a, that's not a defensible position? It's a political. They're they're playing political because they're in the political yeah. sphere, and it's an right. easy way. I mean, I'll I'll go back to yeah. the but reason. Your duty, yeah, your duty. As a I, I hear you. I hear you. Is to push the, back against that and say that is not a defensible answer. Part of the and reason why not, your not, your not. initial, uh, you know, prison reform plank didn't get covered, whereas. Scott Brown's truck did is because the local reporters, it takes a lot more time and resources and knowledge to understand criminal justice reform and all the nuances and the history and what's failed and what's been done before. Whereas you, it's very easy to go and say the candidate was here today, take a picture. He's sort of famous. It's, it's just easier to do the political horse race coverage and i will acknowledge this as a political reporter it is easier to 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 construct that coverage in a timely fashion than it is to do a criminal justice reform piece which is probably going to take a couple weeks once i talk to experts and fact check everything you've put out and you know try to get the other perspective much tougher to pull off and, you know, not to make too many excuses for my profession, but with the resources cut and the demands of the internet, it makes it very difficult to pull off that policy story, unless you get an editor or a publication who gives you the wherewithal and the time and the means to accomplish it. All acknowledged and agreed. All acknowledged and agreed. It's harder for citizens to grapple with the meat of policy questions, as opposed to blaming Biden if you're a Republican or I don't know if you're a Democrat. Who do you blame for inflation? So what would be your, what do I put the journalism hat on you? And you're covering the New Hampshire Senate. There's a New Hampshire Senate race, coincidentally, right now. There's a Republican primary, a crowded Republican primary to run against uh, Maggie Hassan, the incumbent senator Democrat up there. I think there's about five or six candidates in that race. I was seeking to run against her in, uh, in 2016. Right. Right, yeah. right. You, so it's the same cycle. It's just six years later. Yeah. So yeah. if have you have any of the Republicans running for Senate put out policy, substantive policy that you believe deserves to be covered that is not being covered by media in New Hampshire? The short answer is no. And for the reasons that you've you've articulated, <laughs> a candidate who seeks to win the primary and win the general is probably. Unfortunately, I'm lamenting this, wasting their time. But you have the state Senate president in there. He, and he's not putting anything out that you would see that, that you should say, hey, they should be covering this. He's doing what he, he's doing what he do. Uh, and he, he'd be wasting his time doing what I tried to do. And I'm lamenting this, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, I mean, even Mitch McConnell in Washington, uh, you try to cover a policy story, he says, we're not going to even run on policy. All it is, is we're going to run on, even in the campaign context, we want to run on runaway inflation, crime in cities, an out of control border, and it's all the party in power's fault. What would we do on inflation? You get crickets. So, you know, you have, you have a problem even, you know, within the parties, they don't feel, they don't feel like a need because they feel like they'll be penalized if they put out a policy, right? Rick Scott tried to put out policy and he got, a ton of bricks dropped on him because it, it, it talked about raising taxes on a, a, a portion of the American public. 
I, I, I was down at uh, CPAC. I had a booth next to, uh, I was down at CPAC for an organization on which I'm the board called American Promise. <clears throat> I'm working on another issue, which I hope to get to during this interview. But I was, I was next door to Rick Scott's booth at CPAC in Orlando, Florida. And uh, his people were handing out his 10 point, uh, 10 point plan and I happened to get some, a moment to read it. And uh, uh, forgive me for saying this, I'm right, it, laughable, you know, at the outset. As a Republican, I'm a Republican. You're calling like Rick Scott's plan. His 10 point plan was yeah. an embarrassment. I'm not going to be popular with him for saying that, but it, it was. And, and the fact that he spent a lot of money putting out these beautiful, glossy page, multi page, uh, you know, eight and a half by 11 full color flyers, not flyer, but, a, but a basically a handbook on this 10 point policy. And the fact that this could hit the light of day with a significant amount of resources behind it, having a booth at CPAC and, and staff there for days to, to hand it out and promote it. And that the fact that something of this caliber would reach that point of, uh, you know, of resource uh, justification, resource commitment, is an indication of the extent to which we don't spend a lot of time in horse races, in, 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 in campaigns, elaborating, contesting, evaluating policy questions. And were that the case, if we had a citizen, a citizenry that, that grappled with policy questions, because we as citizens are very frustrated with our government, right? Don't we know this? I think that's true. We are extremely frustrated that government is in a state of gridlock, that we don't deal with problems. Well, why don't we deal with problems? Why are we in gridlock? Why do we have so many contested, unresolved issues? <laughs> why do we have a permanent campaign where these issues don't get resolved? Uh, <laughs> And, and we can go through a laundry list of them, right? So, because we, we as citizens and you in the media don't help us grapple with policy questions so that once candidates are in office, they've rehearsed this stuff, they're prepared to, they're prepared to promote and defend uh, the, the attacks and the back and forth on policy, and then to govern. Governing yeah. meaning, meaning get bills passed. One more question, then I'll let you plug yeah. your, your initiative, whatever you're working on. If you're a reporter covering the New Hampshire Senate Republican primary, yeah. what and they're not talking about policy, that how would you as a reporter approach that? Your job is to cover the race. You're a political reporter, but you care about policy. What would be in your utopian dream? This is the story I would go do. This is the qu questions I would ask. This is the what I would I would focus on. How would you, how would you cover policy and make it compelling for readers to inform them? To make it compelling, again, you're you're faced with the the imperative of demand. I mean, you, you, your editors, the people who pay you and to pay for space, whether it be paper space or or social media space or what have you are probably not going to want to race, waste their money repeatedly on stuff that people don't want to look at. I mean, you're, you're this is chicken and egg problem. Yeah. So how do we turn it around? God. And this is why I'm working on what I'm working on. And I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, segue I'll, into that. I'll, and then we can I'll segue uh, to AmericanPromise.net. AmericanPromise.net. Okay. The board of American Promise. <clears throat> we are seeking a, uh, an amendment to the U.S. Constitution to restore power to Congress and to the several states 
power to set limits on campaign money. The problem is the system we've got right now since 2010, a very tiny number of people in both parties, in either party, the D party and the R party, it's probably a dozen people in either party who are gatekeepers, the, the Senate president leadership in Washington, uh, big money people in California, DC, Washington, and New York State, New York City, make determinations about which candidates are viable and then cause flow of money through uh, super PACs, generally dark money, super PACs. So the system is no longer direct to candidate contributions, which are limited to small, you know, very small sums of money, $2,900, what have you, $5,400. These sums of money are almost immaterial today. You look at the race I last run, it ran in uh, the 20, 2016 U.S. Senate, $132 million went into my 2016 uh, U.S. Senate race. So what's 90, the constitutional I, amendment do? The proposed constitutional, constitutional amendment? amendment? Restores the power to states and to, uh, and to Congress to set limits on campaign money. It doesn't say how, just simply restores the power. The okay, Supreme so each Court, state could determine how much money can be spent in their federal election. Within their respective jurisdictions. And the question about where the respective jurisdictions end and, uh, and, and, and between Congress and the states gets really wonky in the weeds uh, to be determined. But we want to restore those powers. We're not saying in our amendment, uh, and you can go to AmericanPromise.net, see our amendment, you can see our suggested language. It doesn't say what Congress or what the states need to do. In fact, they can do nothing with the amendment. And it could be state-specific. It. it could vary state by state. So when we've polled our amendment, we find that uh, about uh, a little over two-thirds of Republican, likely Republican voters, back our amendment. Mm -hmm. uh, about 85% of Democratic voters back our amendment. All right. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate your time taking Thank me you. through this. Good luck with your new initiative. Yeah. And thanks for coming on the rant on Too Close to Call. Thank you.